Hi, David. A theme that's emerged in markets is the weakness of the US dollar. Are we entering a dollar bear market? Well, the US dollar index has weakened by almost 4% during July to its lowest level since the middle of 2018. And, 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 and the euro has been a big gainer against the uh, dollar. And as a result, it's not surprising, I think, that there's uh, calls that this is the beginning of a multi-year uh, dollar bear market. It, it's certainly true that the pillars of US dollar strength have been eroded by the pandemic. Uh, interest rates and yield differentials with the rest of the world have narrowed. Uh, the recent surge in new virus cases has um, undermined confidence in US growth outperformance in the recovery, while uh, the outlook for Europe has been boosted by the recent agreement on an EU recovery fund that we discussed last week. So it's interesting that I think the notion that Europe will actually recover more strongly out of this crisis um, than the US is is gaining support. And that is... Um, I think, uh, a, a strong pillar for a uh, stronger uh, euro. I mean, more generally, a weaker dollar is a positive signal for global risk assets. Um, it's positive for the S&P 500 because it boosts the foreign earnings of US multinationals. Uh, typically, a weaker dollar coincides with a pickup in growth outside of the US and, and an improvement in risk sentiment more, more generally, which is what we saw um, uh, during 2017, when there was also a relative outperformance of emerging market um, assets. So I do think the direction of travel is for a weaker dollar, especially against the euro and, and to some extent against the uh, Chinese renminbi. Um, I, I don't think this necessarily marks the beginning of a secular decline in the dollar, though. Um, it remains the global reserve currency and safe haven asset of choice. Um, the US has clearly been less effective in containing the virus uh, than Europe and uh, relative to many countries in Asia. But in several major emerging markets, the virus continues to spread. And, and even in Europe, um, as we've seen, there are some uh, renewed uh, uh, outbreaks. And while the Fed has clearly cut rates and there's QE, and that's eroded the carry from dollar assets, yields across developed markets are even uh, lower. And, and I do think there's a less positive explanation, if you like, for recent uh, dollar weakness, which is that it's coincided with a very sharp decline in US real yields and a rising gold price. And that's consistent, I think, with concerns around secular stagnation, um, the need for even more monetary stimulus from the Fed against the backdrop of a recovery in the US that appears to be losing some momentum and, and, and fears around ultimately uh, currency um, debasement. So I think, you know, in summary, a weaker dollar is consistent with a sort of broadening global recovery and reflation, generally positive for uh, euro and, and potentially emerging market assets. But I think it's also you know, a signal that we are going to have to get more stimulus uh, in response to a weakening growth outlook for, for the world's most important economy and you know, an incipient loss of confidence in the dollar as a global reserve currency. You mentioned the rise in the gold price and worries about central banks debasing currencies with money printing. What are the implications for fixed income investors? Yeah, the, the, the issue around QE and money printing is a kind of recurring topic. And you know, in, in the aftermath of the global financial crisis, many warned that there'd be this 
surge in inflation um, as a result of QE and uh, you know huge uh, government borrowing. But as we know, we didn't get that pickup in inflation. It actually remained below central banks' targets. And 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 if inflation was simply generated by um, you know heavy government borrowing and debt and uh, uh, quantitative easing, then Japan would be. Uh, a high inflation economy, and, and, and as we know, it's not. Um, you know, QE is not money printing. It essentially allows the private sector to swap long-dated fixed-rate assets, so government bonds, for short-term floating-rate deposits, so bank reserves at the central bank. Now, th this has a kind of portfolio effect, which does reduce um, longer-term uh, interest rates and boost asset valuations but it does not directly increase credit to the real economy nor create too much money chasing too few uh, goods that would be you know, consistent with a big increase in inflation. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical about this sort of money printing QE um, idea and, and that it was gonna end in this big surge in inflation. That said, um, I do think medium term inflation expectations are arguably um, too low and I do think inflation risk premiums should be higher. The Fed is shifting to an inflationary um, bias and, and it's not beyond the realm of possibility over the medium term that central banks with um, you know, strong armed by governments will accommodate higher inflation to allow a reduction in uh, debt burdens. You know, as a real asset priced in dollars, gold is viewed as a store of value against higher inflation and a weaker U.S. dollar. Um, as such, it is highly correlated to U.S. real yields. So that's the, the yield on Treasury inflation protected securities or tips. And, and that correlation has been uh, with us, you know, during this latest episode of uh, a rising price of gold. I think for fixed income investors, the, the best way to protect against higher than expected inflation is through inflation linked government bonds or, or linkers. Uh, the coupon on linkers is set in real terms and is fixed, but nominal coupons and repayment of the principal is indexed to inflation. So if inflation is higher than expected, inflation linked bonds will outperform nominal government bonds and, and conversely of course underperform is if inflation is less than expected. Market implied inflation expectations or, or break-even uh, inflation expectations are, are actually well below central bank targets with a notable exception of the UK and for investors who fear meaningfully higher inflation then I think linkers are uh, attractive despite negative uh, real yields. You know, just to reiterate, in the near term, the pandemic is a deflationary rather than inflationary shock. But, you know, how this pans out and, and the future is, of course, as we've discussed, um, you know, characterised by a huge amount of uncertainty and, and the damage to portfolios from unexpectedly higher inflation is um, uh, significant. So it is a risk that I think investors are right to be wary of and, and hence why we are seeing an increased interest in inflation-linked bonds as well as gold. Our discussion is highlighting just how important the Fed is for markets. What's your takeaway from the latest Fed meeting? Well, I mean, as expected, there, there weren't any um, changes in policy, including in terms of uh, forward guidance from the Fed. Uh, they did announce uh, an extension of their uh, dollar swap facilities with nine other uh, central banks and that played a 
very critical role in um, stabilizing and resolving the global dollar liquidity squeeze that we saw at the height of the crisis back in March, April. Um, it's also worth noting, I think, that in fact, before the uh, meeting concluded, the Fed uh, said it's going to extend its various lending and credit facilities from the end of September to the end of uh, this year. In terms of the Fed statement itself, um, very little new in it, um, other than it did make for explicit for the first time uh, the link between the economic outlook and the uh, evolution of the uh, virus. Um, you know, arguably it's pretty self-evident that that's the case, but the Fed felt um, that it was necessary to kind of underline that uh, relationship. And, you know, you know, within a press conference, uh, Fed Chair Jay Powell was, was very dovish. And I did think that he um, was essentially setting up uh, the market for um, a policy announcement at its next meeting in September, uh, where I think they will make uh, changes to their forward guidance, where they may uh, basically link any future changes in interest rates to specific targets for uh, unemployment and inflation. It might move to a sort of average inflation target. So that would allow inflation to overshoot its target to make up for previous um, shortfalls. And, and I do think the Fed may well shift its asset purchases into uh, sort of longer dated um, securities. But I think for now, we're kind of in this cycle whereby, you know, the adverse economic impact and uncertainty from the pandemic underpins expectations for yet more monetary and fiscal stimulus that drives real interest rates lower, a weaker dollar, higher gold price. And, and it's difficult to see how this cycle is going to be broken until uh, we have some meaningful uh, sort of news and developments either in the treatment uh, and developments in treatment of the virus and, and, and developments in, in, in the virus or, you know, uh, a much stronger um, and wider evidence of uh, an economic recovery or, or even uh, economic weakness. Finally, the second quarter US GDP figures have just been released. What did you learn? Well, I don't think we learned too much. You know, we uh, knew that the second quarter was going to be uh, showing you know, extraordinary um, shrinking. And, you know, it did make for some unwelcome history. Uh, the US economy shrank by 33%. 33% on an annualized uh, basis. And uh, you know, just by way of comparison, um, at the height of the global financial crisis, the US economy shrank by um, 8% in the fourth quarter of uh, 2008. Uh, but in terms of you know, what it tells us about the path of the recovery and the current state of the US economy, it doesn't really give us much in the way of insight. But we also did get the latest weekly US unemployment insurance uh, data. And that, that actually was not uh, encouraging um, at all. It actually showed uh, a marked slowdown in the pace of rehiring and actually a rise in the uh, number of those uh, claiming unemployment. So clearly the, the failure to contain the virus in, in, in a number of states across the US uh, has hindered the reopening and recovery of the uh, activity. Um, hopefully the recent plateauing of new cases in the US will mark the start of a, a sustained decline. But kind of going back to the Fed, if you like, 
um, you know, in terms of what it said in its statement, uh, the economic recovery continues to be tied very much to the evolution of the virus. Thanks for your time, David, and speak with you soon. Thanks, Alex. This podcast is issued in the United Kingdom by Blue Bay Asset Management LLP, which is authorised and regulated by the UK Financial Conduct Authority, registered with the US Securities and Exchange Commission and the US Commodity Futures Trading Commission, and is a member of the National Futures Association. This podcast may also be issued in the United States by Blue Bay Asset Management LLC, which is registered with the SEC and the NFA. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Unless otherwise stated, all data has been sourced by Blue Bay. To the best of Blue Bay's knowledge and belief, this podcast is true and accurate at the date hereof. Blue Bay makes no express or implied warranties or representations with respect to the information contained in this podcast and hereby expressly disclaim all warranties of accuracy, completeness or fitness for a particular purpose. This podcast is intended for professional clients and eligible counterparties, as defined by the FCA only, and should not be relied upon by any other category of customer. Except where agreed explicitly in writing, Blue Bay does not provide investment or other advice, and nothing in this podcast constitutes any advice, nor should be interpreted as such. No Blue Bay fund will be offered except pursuant and subject to the offering memorandum and subscription materials. The offering materials. If there is an inconsistency between this podcast and the offering materials for the Blue Bay Fund, the provisions in the offering materials shall prevail. You should read the offering materials carefully before investing in any Blue Bay Fund. This podcast does not constitute an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to purchase any security or investment product in any jurisdiction and is for information purposes only. No part of this podcast may be reproduced in any manner without the prior written permission of Blue Bay Asset Management, LLP. Copyright 2020, Blue Bay. The investment manager, advisor and global distributor of the Blue Bay Funds is a wholly owned subsidiary of Royal Bank of Canada and the Blue Bay Funds may be considered to be related and or connected issuers to Royal Bank of Canada and its other affiliates. Registered trademark of Royal Bank of Canada. RBC Global Asset Management is a trademark of Royal Bank of Canada. Blue Bay Asset Management LLP, registered office, 77 Grosvenor Street, London, W1K3JR, partnership registered in England and Wales, number OC370085. The term partner refers to a member of the LLP or a Blue Bay employee with equivalent standing. Details of membership of the Blue Bay Group and further important terms which this message is subject to can be obtained at www.bluebay.com. All rights reserved.